From the Fleet Defender Studios, this is Kill Chain, a platform cybersecurity and technology podcast presented by Fleet Defender. I'm Marcus Q, and I'm here with Terry Reiner. Hello. And Kendall Bricko. Hey, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about what the different levels of autonomous vehicles mean. So you'll see in the news, you'll see from companies that uh, they range from, you know, level two autonomy, level three autonomy, four, um, but they really go from zero to five. And so we just want to cover as part of our kind of what does it mean segment, what each of those levels of autonomy means. Sound good? Yeah, works for me. All right. So let's start out at level zero. I think that one's self-explanatory. What is it? Uh, None. No autonomy. <laughs> Fully human operated. It's the scariest one of them all, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> my <true>. opinion. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Yeah, so level zero autonomy, we're talking, you know, your 1969 Roadrunner is probably level zero autonomy. Um, and something pretty interesting is actually cars today. So if you go out and buy a, let's say, low, low mid-range price car, you have autonomy. Yeah, you're at a level one or a level one. two, right? Mm-hmm. Because level one, which is driver assistance, uh, is anything like cruise control. So something that's monitoring your speed. Uh, I know a lot of cars nowadays have like those lane uh, adjustment steerings. Yep. And Isn't drift. that a level two, though? If, it, if it's controlling steering, that's I think, falls under level two. You're right about that, actually. Yeah. I mean, the human's still monitoring it. And I mean, I know like the cars, they'll be like, Keep your hand on the steering wheel. It's like, well, if you're going to do it for me, I'm not, I don't want to touch the steering wheel. Yeah, right. But yeah. Uh, it still warns and kicks off if you don't. But I mean, it's still controlling steering. I've even had, uh, I was playing with a rental car actually when I was on one of my recent trips. Um, and I let it use its automated, um, the adaptive cruise control to actually come to a complete stop for me at a stoplight. Oh, really? But there's a car in front of me. If there wasn't a car in front of me, I'm pretty sure it would have just right through. <laughs> it's not looking it. for red lights. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because there was a vehicle in front of me, it actually kept the distance and brought me all the way to a stop. Now, I felt like maybe it was like a 90-year-old driver where they stop like, you know, 80 feet uh, behind the other car, but it did stop. See, my car, I thought had something like that, but rather than slowing the vehicle down, it just yells at me to stop. It'll just say, stop. Yeah, like, start beeping and flashing the red yeah, lights. But it at doesn't you do everything. anything to slow down. It's just yelling. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, you're like, anytime now, yeah. anytime yeah. now. I tried testing it. And then after a certain point, I'm like, okay, I got to I got to stop. <laughs> I got to do so something. So I about think this. that's a level one. Yeah. That's uh, where you're okay, at. Okay. So uh, that would be level one. So we're, we're talking about driver assistance. It's a level one autonomy, it's something that can assist the driver. So non adaptive cruise control, but cruise control. Would, would fall into that category. What you're talking about, something that's monitoring to give you an alert, that's actually technically level one autonomy. So something we've had since, gosh, when did cruise control come out? Probably the 80s? I, yeah, I actually I, don't know that fact Before all. my time, probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Before I started driving. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm only like 26, to be yeah. honest. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just look yeah, a little yeah, older. We'll, we'll yeah. go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now level two, which I, I think is actually where we make some of the biggest jumps in autonomy is uh, partial automation. And this is where the vehicle can perform steering and acceleration, but a human monitors and can take control at any time. And I was reading that actually Tesla admits they fall in this category. Yeah, they're still level two. I think they're bridging level three. Um, I think they'd probably already be there if there wasn't so many regulations around things um, because their technology is just fascinating and fantastic. Um, But yeah, I think they are still a level two. So are they... At level two, and they haven't made that step to three just because the human has to touch the steering wheel every so often and it can't just go on its own? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't 
personally own a Tesla. Um, I've only been in them a few times, but from stories that I've heard, it straight up will drive you places. So really? like it, it is pretty good. Now, um, did they just recently have to roll back one of the features or something because of regulations that I, I heard something about that. Maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, you still have to have the human in the vehicle. They still have to interact to some degree, but it's, I don't know. I mean, I think Tesla might be actually pushing three. Yeah. I think that they're, they actually are rolling back the full self-driving version. Um, and so I'd have to read more about what, why they did that, but they started to roll that back. And I think that's where they say like, oh, they're at level two. But tell me if I'm wrong here. Maybe the commercial product is at level two, but their technology could be even like a level four. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, it's I mean, just, they're not, it's not active on the road. Right. But the the technology could be capable of it. But again, because of regulations and other things, like they might not be able to just unlock that feature. Now it's there. So maybe if you know a thing or two about hacking cars, you could might <laughs> be able to like unlock it on the road there, but uh, and, not and, sure. And so Kendall, to your question of level three, level three is conditional automation. And so this is really like environmental detection capabilities. Uh, they can perform driving tasks, but a human override is still required. So I like that's where I see Tesla when they have the full full self-driving mode, which it sounds like they're rolling back. But when they had that, it really did that. I mean, it definitely did environmental detection, could read the stoplights, it could read things, you know, obstacles in the road, um, and could really perform almost every task, but had a human override in place. Yeah. And, you know, one of the interesting things about the environmental detection is also um, the environment means two things when it comes to automation, right? Like it means environmental as like we think of like rain, sunshine, you know, environmental conditions, but also your environment as in density of population, where are trash cans, where are street signs, where, what is the, is the stoplight red, green, or yellow? Um, is there a human walking across a pedestrian on the side of the road, et cetera? Like, so environment is, is, you know, kind of an overly loaded term when it comes to autonomy. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm assuming that's probably all done with uh, sonars and outward facing cameras so they can see what's around them. Yeah. LIDAR, LIDAR. Is, is really where it's at. Yep. Yeah. So they use the LIDAR. That That's a big part of, of level three, four, five autonomy. Yeah. And would that be called machine vision? Is that what that that kind of segment is? Yeah, you could classify that as that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's using machine learning and artificial intelligence to catalog kind of the world around it. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, it's just it's just it. Um, we we call it perception, like in the computer science world. Now it'd be allowing a machine to perceive its environment uh, and everything around it, and then make decisions based on that environment. So, so that's kind of the perception piece. So the same way that a human perceives things. Yeah, exactly. And how do they build that? Just like generally, is it they have data sets they feed it through? Uh, you know, people are annotating different photos to tell the machine what certain things are. Or oh yeah, it's a huge mix: unsupervised learning, supervised learning, um, yeah, all of it. And so that's whether you have a labeled data set or a not uh, an unlabeled data set. Um, yeah, th there's a lot of different ways of of doing that. I mean, you can even use rule based systems too, right? Like a rule based system would be very easy of detect target ahead of vehicle, so another vehicle, um, and then maintain a certain distance. So you would obviously be braking or accelerating or maintaining speed based on distance from another object. Um, and so that's like, you don't need much, you know, machine learning to do that. That's just simple detect distance and maintain distance, either speed up or slow down. And that's where we talk about adaptive cruise control being, yeah. you know, a lower level is because actually it's, it's a simpler process. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot simpler. Like you're not actually using machine learning to say, okay, like let's take a camera image 
run it through a machine and have it identify every human, every you know pedestrian that's out there, every vehicle that's out there, a stoplight, what color is the stoplight? And, and I bring up the environmental piece, like sunlight and cloudy and, and rain and all that stuff, because when I was playing with that rental car, it was in Florida. And I noticed when I was in Orlando, it worked a lot better. And then it, because it was cloudy, it was overcast. If you remember those days we were at TMC, the, yeah. there was like yeah. some overcast in the morning um, and really foggy conditions. Well, it was able to pick out the lane really easy. Well, after you guys left, um, it was really sunny, like all day, every day. The sun was just crazy bright and it kept losing the lanes. And I think it's because it was so bright that the contrast coming off of the yellow and the white lines, um, and this is pure speculation, by the way, um, it couldn't pick it out as easy because the light reflecting off of the asphalt was like so bright from the sun. It would not maintain lane. And the sensors couldn't pick up the the lanes then. Yeah, it couldn't pick up the difference between everything. So I don't know why, but uh, I, su- I suspect it was just because it was so bright that environmental conditions were decreasing the capabilities of the autonomous system. That brings up something really interesting, which is, you know, as we get more uh, autonomous vehicles on the road, and personally, I think, you know, 100 years from now, there won't be human drivers. Like, everything will just be autonomous because, yeah, it's safer and why not? Uh, But you start to build the environment around that for those vehicles, right? And so kind of even what you're saying, let's say, you know, just for the sake of the conversation, that that is what was happening is the contrast coming off. Do they paint roads differently? Do they start using a different type of material so that it's non-reflective? Or, you know, like how is infrastructure going to change to accommodate all these autonomous sensors? You know, I think you have to look at science fiction to really see what mm-hmm. that could be. Because if you really think about it, if you have every vehicle, 100% level five autonomy, no human involved whatsoever. You don't need stoplights. Right. Because yeah, if you think about it, point. the vehicles themselves can space themselves in a way to where one can go through one direction, another one can whip between the other one. And then, you know, and so you could actually have cross traffic going through. And as long as you can trust the technology, it will decide how the spacing needs to be to fit cross traffic through it. You don't need stoplights. And then when we have flying cars, it'll just be different altitudes. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we do planes now. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I really do think that uh, if you look at some of these crazy like fifth element, you know, that's kind of an old Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. movie. Um, You know, you look at some of the sci fi in there and uh, I think that's kind of where we could go because there wouldn't really be a need to constrain ourselves to infrastructure. Um, to control things because the vehicles could control themselves. And then you're not constrained to a 2D environment because, you know, now we have flying vehicles and everything else. So you can go 3D now yep. and uh, you can stack. And yeah, I, I think it's going to look completely different. I won't be alive to see it. I mean, I again, I'm only 26, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know if I'll get to get to see a, a lot of that, but it will be very interesting. That is really, that's really cool to think about. I never thought about the stoplight thing. That is a good point though. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't need it. Yeah. You really don't. And, uh, and then when you get flying cars, like, you know, what's the famous Doc Brown, uh, quote from, uh, back to the future where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you just touched on our next, uh, levels here of four and five. And so if level four, so level four is high automation, which is the vehicle can perform all driving tasks. Uh, but geofencing is required and human override is still an option. So I got one word for you on that. What's that? Kodiak. Yep. That's where they're at. Like, it's so fascinating. Uh, I think Waymo is there. Like, uh, mm-hmm. they're an alphabet company, you know, owned by the same parent company as Google. But um, Kodiak, 
they're they're level four right now. So they're running um, actually class eight vehicles, though. They're running long haul tractor trailers through southeast United States uh, again. And and they I think a lot of these manufacturers um, that are working on this technology are going through the Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, um, because the environment is so stable. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you're not dealing with snow in Minnesota or icy roads in Nebraska or anything, but yeah, they're out there on the road right now. They still, it's level four. They still got the driver that can override, but the technology's here. Yeah. I know. Uh, I was reading something about the, for the CEO of Kodiak actually was saying he believes that by like 2025, we'll be seeing level four on the road. Like we'll, we'll, you'll be seeing level four trucks driving on the road um, by 2025. Well, we already have them on the road. Well, yeah, you're but right. I mean, but you're are right. you mean like he's saying proliferated, proliferated across the country? Yeah. Okay. Mainstream. Nice. So right now, are they only in a certain area? They're only allowed to be in certain areas? Yeah. So states are still regulating it. And so there's some states like Texas, Arizona, like they're very friendly to autonomous vehicle makers. Like they actually opened up and, and are allowing autonomous experiments to occur on their public roads. And so those states are you know, where a lot of the vehicles are operating and doing their tests. But the Southeast United States has two other really big benefits too, right? Like, so you got stable environment and then you also have um, uh, density of loads. So there's a lot of trucking, a lot of product being moved through I, that I-10 corridor. And so you have a need, right? You got a market, um, you've got friendly regulations, and then you've got the technology. So it just makes sense. You're saying Southeast. Is it Southwest? Sorry, Southwest. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I just want to make Forgot sure. Forgot my geography. Um, my bad. And and so that's, and part of it, what you're saying is the weather is such a big factor for them. It really is. Because like I was just talking about, you know, like that rental car I had, you know, just couldn't quite get it. If you are still pioneering and developing this technology, you don't want to be dealing with icy conditions, snowy conditions, you know, like crazy blizzards. And so it just makes sense. The environment is a lot more stable there. So that just that I-10 corridor is prime yeah. for it. And, and level four, one really big part of level four is the human override option. And that's where Kodiak ha- actually has somebody full-time sitting in the cab yep. ready to take over if they need to, but otherwise they're not doing anything, which I don't know. Sounds kind of sweet. Yeah, <laughs> so it does. Just get to oh, ride I, in an autonomous vehicle. I can't wait. You know, like I used to have this mentality when I was younger, like I don't want a machine to drive me. Like I want to drive. And you know me, like I, I like fast cars. I like, you know, I like to feel the road, you know? And um, so I just, I never thought I would be the type of person that would want a machine to drive me. But then I realized how much time is wasted on a commute. And also if you drive a little fast, you have to, you know, be a little bit more careful about, uh, other things. And so like, I would rather just sit in the back and, you know, start working as soon as I leave the house. Yep. And I mean, you're already working all the time. So yeah. think about how much more productive you'll be when you can work while driving. Yeah. Maybe driving is my only break. I get to put on my audio book, but seeing as how I live like five minutes from the office, I, I just telling Marcus I, the other day, I was like, I only get like five minutes of an audio book a day. Like I can't finish <laughs> books very quick because I only get these tiny little snippets, like when I'm making breakfast and when I'm driving. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting job in the future to be like a watcher, right? I mean, to just be the person who sits in a level four autonomous vehicle for like long haul trucks is because you're not going to have to do much. And so what are you going to do on that eight hour haul or get a master's degree? Yeah, probably. I mean, you could really do anything. (laughs) Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. But, you know, at the same time, you really wonder, like, how is the human race going to change too? when what was that movie? um, Wally. 
from Pixar, you know, oh, the yeah, animated yeah. film. Yeah. And you know, at the end, all the humans are coming like walking off of the spaceship and they're like, what's a hammer? Like, how do we do this? Like, we, we don't know anything. <laughs> like at some point, people aren't going to understand that we had to actually figure out how to get somewhere on our own. Yeah. Our, like, our great grandkids are going to be like, what's driving? You used to operate one of these things. What is that? Oh, go hand a map to your 11 year old and be like, <laughs> find your way to grandma's house. And they'd be like, what do I like? I can't just type in an address. Like yeah. what is that this? That is actually pretty wild. And that's like, I mean, within one lifetime. Yeah. Hand them a yellow book and be like, call a plumber. And they're like, what? <laughs> How do I do that without the internet? Or just take away a cell phone and oh, see God. what happens. Oh, you know my what God. I mean? We do that. Like when you ground the, oh, never mind. Completely off topic, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so technology does everything for us now. Imagine yeah. it does even more. Yeah. Like it's going to be uh, interesting. Yeah. So our last stop on this train here is level five. And level five is full automation, zero human attention or interaction required. Um, it's also called anytime, anywhere technology. And so that's really, you know, top of the line. You see, uh, I remember actually, I, I remember a sci-fi movie that really, I was like, oh, they got it right, is, I think it's Wolverine, the latest uh, Hugh Jackman, the last one. And on the roads when they're driving is autonomous trucks, but there's no front cap it's just the trailer and the trailer is the entire vehicle and i'm like that is probably what that would look like is like you wouldn't need a cab you wouldn't need a steering wheel you wouldn't need anything like that it would just be like a level five autonomous trailer and that's the engine it's like when you see spacecraft and movies that still have wings yeah. And you're like you're in space you're not generating <laughs> lift you don't actually need wings yeah yeah so they got it right that that's a that, that's true. Like they will look completely different. Yeah. Because if these fully autonomous ones, the level fives, if they had the steering wheel, if they had the pedals in the cab and all that, wouldn't that technically make it a level four because it has the human option there? Right. Well, you, you could put a human. I, I think if you take the human out, even if it still has a pedal, it'd be level five because there's just no human there monitoring. Oh, no, it doesn't okay. require, it doesn't it just require, doesn't require the human. Okay. But it still has there. the option. Right. So it'd be kind of like, uh, I know, I know there's been movies out there where you're just sitting in the car and then it like degrades into a mode to where like it's getting hacked or whatever. And then like the steering wheel pops out and like the brake in the brake and the gas pedal come out and then they have to take over manually or something. Yeah. So I don't know. I get, I guess it could be level five, but then degrades to level four to level zero yeah. <laughs> in the movies, you know, you're talking about iRobot. Is that the one? Uh-huh. Okay. I don't know why. I just have a sci-fi cars. I can recall <laughs> the movie instantly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Level five is going to be really cool. Um, you know, I actually think the technology is there. I bet right now, um, like Kodiak could even just take the human out right now if regulation allowed them to. Oh, I'm Their sure. technology is so far along and it's so fantastic. I bet they could. Yeah. I think regulation is going to be a big blocker. But one of the other blockers I was reading about is manufacturing is you kind of have to take a current manufacturing process for human driven and human, you know, interacted vehicles and change that to autonomous. And so like getting the manufacturing process on board with creating autonomous vehicles um, is going to be a huge hurdle as well. And so I guess that's where we've talked about in the past, like bolt on systems. So taking an existing vehicle and making it autonomous. Yeah. And, you know, I think a, like, a lot of Kodiak is actually doing that. Like they actually, they take the mirrors off of like a class eight long haul tractor trailer and they put their systems on. It's like the large box. It's got the cameras, the LIDARs and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure they have something that bolts into like help with the steering and the braking and the acceleration and all that. But, um, but yeah, they're more of a, a bolt on to existing trucks, not 
Like you don't have to manufacture a truck from the beginning with that stuff on. I mean, we'll get there, but that's not what they're doing right now. Right. Which is a smart move, right? Because there's so many existing trucks and why not use the existing hardware we have to, you know, create these level four vehicles. Right. And you know, an interesting thing too, about level five, um, and, and I mean, it makes sense like when you say it, but you got to think deeper about it is, um, the vehicle really does have to think for itself and it has to be able to handle situations that it's never seen before or else, you know, then you go back to level four where you have to have a human there to handle something that it doesn't know what it's doing. Right. So it has to teach itself. It has to be able to encounter something and make a judgment call. Right. Exactly. And so that's where like fleet defenders vision, like the 10 year, like way out there is what we kind of coined autonomous adaptive technologies. And it allows like, platforms to be able to think for themselves in every possible way. And one of the areas that we've been talking a lot with like the Navy and the space force for a lot of these unmanned vehicles or um, spacecraft is actually allowing it to operate under its current conditions. Cause if you think about it, like a pilot's flying a, a fighter jet into a denied area, right? Like they're going to fly one way, but then when they enter, like they go over the the coast of like a, a adversary nation and there's like surfaced air missiles, they're going to fly differently because the threat is now elevated. It's different. And so you have to have in these autonomous vehicles, like when it starts raining, it has to change the way it drives in order to handle the rain. It's got to do the same thing when it detects ice or when it detects a condition where there could be ice. And so like you have to start making these vehicles adapt to their environment and the environment could be environmental. It could be cyber. Like when they enter an area of like dense, you know, signals, you know, like the RF levels higher or where there's like, you know, a higher probability of attack. If you're operating in Mexico, like we were talking to our one uh, friend down in, in Mexico and they're like, well, we're still worried about the guy with the shotgun at the door robbing a truck. Like you're going to drive differently in that environment. And so for full level five, I really feel like we have to make these vehicles be able to think for themselves without any other out in, input from outside sources, be it a human or anything else. That'll be interesting because I mean, the weather and everything is completely unpredictable. It can be sunny and then in the snap of a finger, it's just pouring rain or snow. So how quickly will these vehicles be able to adapt to it? Right. And it'll be really interesting too, when they can actually look ahead, they can look at weather forecasts oh, and they yeah. can adapt their routes. They could adapt their stopping points, uh, everything. Like if they know that there's going to be a storm rolling through, you're going to have, well, in Florida, you're going to have about 20 minutes of high wind and then it's going to be normal again. So take that 20 minutes to just pull off and gas up, recharge if it's electric, whatever. So that way you're, you're, I mean, you might be stopping sooner, but you're just avoiding a more dangerous condition. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that, there's so many factors. It even gets into like efficiency, right? I mean, right. yeah, using the time most efficiently. Well, that's really exciting. I think it's a pretty exciting future. And so thank you gentlemen for joining today. This has been a, a great topic. So um, yeah, if you have any questions or would like to see a demo of the Fleet Defender product, check us out at fleetdefender.com. And thank you gentlemen for joining today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. As always, that was fun. 